Welcome to another of Tyrius Casts. I'm Francis Sadeco and I'm joined today by my colleagues Kevin Crewell and Jim McGregor. Today we're just going to discuss CES 2021. It was an interesting one this year with it being virtual instead of in person. But even with that, we still saw over a thousand exhibitors and probably around 150,000, I think was the last estimate on in terms of visitors and a thousand hours of programming. So with all of that, let's dig into it. Jim, Kevin, any major themes or specific industries jump out at you as you went through some of that 100 hours of programming? You know, even when we were sitting through some of the initial press conferences and keynote addresses, it became pretty much clear that, you know, two of the key themes that came out of this were transportation, especially automotive, and gaming. I mean, those two things, there were so many announcements and so many products aimed at those two segments that in my mind, those were kind of the key trends of this this event. Yeah, actually, I thought there'd be more COVID-related stuff. There there was a fair amount. There were some interesting prototypes as well. But yeah, I agree with Jim. Automotive and probably topped off by the GM keynote. And then gaming. Gaming was, you know, wrapped up in everything, especially AMD's keynotes and Intel's as well. So a lot of emphasis on those. Some automotive may not be related to COVID, but certainly gaming was because gaming, the interest in gaming increased dramatically over 2020. Yeah. And of course, it, this wouldn't be a complete podcast at this time. We don't touch on COVID-related innovations, which, which we will later on in the podcast. So maybe let's just start off with where most of these conferences start. What were some of the keynotes that you felt did a good job of setting the stage, either for the company or for CES or even just the industry in general, you know, over the, the beginning of those, the conference? I think Jim and I clearly agree that GM had the best keynote. It was about strategy. It had a vision for GM in the future. They entered three new platforms. They talked about 30 new models in the next five years. It was a complete package. And then they had their own dedicated microsite. And that microsite had other interviews and deep dives into some of the chemistry involved, the new batteries they're developing. It, It was a complete package. Yeah, it also addressed some of the changes going on in the industry. They talked about some of the things GM plans on doing or is doing. You know, OnStar is now not only in the car, but it's a mobile app. They're going to be offering insurance services. They're going to be offering cars direct to consumers. So, I mean, they were talking about kind of the collapse of that whole value chain of automotive as they go to electric vehicles and eventually autonomous vehicles. So, I mean, it was it was a great keynote, not just about everything that they're doing, but where the industry's going. And they also had some cool prototypes. I mean, they they showed a prototype uh, autonomous people mover that you can go in and stay inside. And, you know, we've seen that before. That that wasn't new in, in terms of technology. We saw a bunch of those last year at CES, but it was new for GM. And they even had products that were not just futuristic, but things that they're working on right now and being used right now. One of them was BrightDrop. BrightDrop is a fully autonomous delivery system where they have these pods that roll out of an autonomous vehicle. And they were actually doing it with FedEx right now. So it was interesting to see some of this technology in place and being used by you know a major company right now. 
That's interesting. I mean, speaking of COVID, do you think that, I mean, usually the automotive industry is one of the slower industries to adopt technology, right? I mean, especially with product life cycles being as long as they are, plus all of the certifications and, and testing that, that they have to do. But do you think given, given you know, how much time we're spending maybe in our own cars instead of mass transportation, given that everything's getting more digitized and remote, maybe that's starting to accelerate what's going on in auto. Uh, absolutely. I, th- I think if anything else, COVID has helped pull in some of those major market inflection points, not only to the transition to electric vehicles, but to autonomous vehicles. All these com- all the companies focused on transportation are trying to pull in their schedules. By 2025, you know, all these companies are looking at making major changes that also coincide with some of the changes that certain communities and certain cities are trying to get to, to where they have no more combustion vehicles and stuff like that. Yeah, the electrification of transportation is almost a a foregone conclusion in terms of all the people talking about electric platforms. That said, the only thing is I saw a little more tamping down on level five type of autonomous systems. I think people are more talking about two plus uh, in the near term. And then four, but four more for limited mobility in terms of, I say limited, I mean, within a a fixed area, like maybe a a city or a community or or something where it's much more well-defined borders and it's it's less on the wild, wide roads and anywhere. But I, I think you saw a lot less talk about level five, except for these specific people movers. Well, hopefully, uh, with all this increase in the electrification of vehicles, that we also have a plan for environmentally safe creation or, of, of that electricity, right? A lot of our electricity is still coal-based, so hopefully uh, that's being worked on on the infrastructure side as well. Yeah, uh, hopefully that will happen. Uh, one of the things I want to say, one extra about the GM, they also talk about their battery chemistry and how they're trying to reduce their dependence on rare earth elements. And that's an important, both a cost reduction and also better for the planet because there's a limited supply of some of these rare earth elements and they come from places that, you know, we don't necessarily have the best political uh, relationship with, like China. Yeah, no, that, that that's fair. And it's interesting to see that, that battery technology taking some leaps forward there. Were there any one or two products or ideas that really made an impression on you guys as you, as you went through the programming or, or even some of the side events? Well, uh, I think Jim and I have talked about this. I also agree that the Lasso, which is a um, automated home recycling system that allows you to take your your recyclable garbage and throw it into this one device and the device separates it cleans it shreds it and then they're working on a partnership with the directly with the metal recycler so you can then have those those pieces picked up and directly recycled so you don't have to rely on third parties such as trash companies or the garbage guys to really do it because a lot of times they don't even bother recycling you put it in recycling bins but it costs too much to separate and they just actually toss it all together into the landfill so this would definitely put a direct connection between recycling you know whatever metals plastics whatever they can recycle directly to those recycling companies and i thought it was a great concept Uh, hopefully they can execute on it and it's uh, at a reasonable cost yeah, one of the other products that stood out to me also was the Schneider Electric Energy Center. 
You know, a lot of things about the smart home start with the devices that you use around the home, the outlets. So they're looking at the outlets, the switches, or the light bulbs, and all these things, and the appliances. This is one that I think finally looks at it from an intelligent viewpoint. It starts with the power going into the home. And this is a box that you can actually replace your existing box with. So it's not something that has to be built around it. But the box is very flexible. It can work with any energy source, whether it's, you know, supplied AC power, generator power, solar, wind, battery backup. It has a bolt-on solar inverter for it that you can use as well. And it works just like a normal box. It doesn't require a separate breaker for every outlet or every appliance. It actually uses AI software, their WISE software, to actually determine what's connected to that line. So it can actually identify your PC or your air conditioner or your lights and stuff like that. And then you can actually go in and select and program it to say, okay, if I lose power and I'm on battery backup or generator or whatever, I only want my refrigerator running and these lights running and stuff like this. Not to mention it does a lot of other energy saving functions and they're slowly integrating it with other products. One of the products they're coming out with is also uh, built-in electric outlets for it. So, I mean, very intelligent design, very intelligent solution. I was very impressed with that. The other thing that stood out to me, and it was kind of my surprise for the show, was how many companies are focused on devices to create an intelligent bicycle, or do you call that bicycle to vehicle or vehicle to, or bicycle to infrastructure or vehicle to infrastructure, you know, something that improves the safety of bicyclists around vehicles and gives them more information, just like you would have in a car. The, the number, I mean, just to give you a hint, there were, there was uh, Tome, Bosch, Specialized, Trek, Ford, and Haas were just the ones I saw. And obviously these things can work not only on a bicycle, a scooter, or other personal transportation devices. But, I mean, that became a critical part of V2X at this show was, you know, putting it on not just in a car, but on some other mode of transportation. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a statement on not just electric vehicles, but the impact of urban centers and, and not necessarily using an automobile as a personal vehicle, but some other form. So that is interesting, though, you know, in terms of major themes, it looks like automotive and gaming, but it sounds like sustainability is a major theme, too, between Lasso and, and the Schneider Electric uh, Center. Yeah, and you also have to think that the whole bicycle and personal transportation thing is also kind of that COVID push. You know, once again, people don't want to use mass transportation. So it gets down to, you know, the impacts that we're seeing in society because of COVID. So let, let's delve into COVID. That's a great segue. I mean, like we said, this would not be a complete podcast unless we talked about that. It's a yes. So anything that jumped out at you guys in terms of COVID-specific or COVID-inspired okay. innovations? Oh, it's got to be the razor. Well, not just the <laughs> razor. I mean, they weren't the only ones. There were a number of companies offering face masks. Razor probably got the most press out of it because it was targeted towards gamers. But uh, LG also had a wearable air purifier. Exhale had a face mask purifier. There were a number of UV solutions, whether they were integrated into air purifiers or like Samsung had a UV sanitizing bot that goes around your home or your building or your office. And there were a number of companies offering 
kind of analysis of the environment. AirThings had one that they claim actually is a virus detector. Now, I don't know if I really buy into that, but, you know, the whole thing of whether you're detecting radon or the overall air quality in the home or a virus or whatever, you know, that was definitely part of the whole COVID theme at CES. Yeah, but clearly the Razor got the <laughs> most publicity. It got oh, national yeah. TV coverage. But what it, was, it was a clear face mask with a filter, uh, and it also had like a gamer color, so it was like gamer lighting. And then it also had a, a voice processor so people to understand you more outside. But it clearly missed the mark because they didn't put Bluetooth in. There was another company whose name I forgot had a mask with a Bluetooth microphone and headphones so that you could link it to your phone and then you could also wear the mask while you're talking on the phone and have a clearer voice. You know, I was just trying to think of that one because I saw that one too. They even had the little yeah. buttons on the side of it. Yeah. And, yeah, and it connected to your phone. So it was, they called it the phone mask. <laughs> it was interesting. My wife asked whether it was washable and I don't know if they said it was washable or not. Yeah, that, that's actually a good point. I don't know if you just spray it, but although you would think the Bluetooth capability would be kind of a no-brainer in, in a device like that. So that's that's interesting that they missed that. Okay. Well, Jim mentioned something that took him by surprise with the amount of bipedal, I guess, <laughs> or bicycle-based innovations. Kevin, did you anything take you by surprise? You know, I was missing some stuff. I, I, I thought we'd saw more AR, VR stuff. I didn't see as much as I th thought we would see. I think there were missing automobile manufacturers. Ford, Honda, Toyota all had big sections last year. I mean, Ford was showing off the electric drive Mustang last year. They didn't have anything really this year. It seemed to be more, I guess maybe I was kind of a half empty kind of guy for the CES because there was stuff I was missing that I didn't quite see as much of that I'd like to see. Uh, even the drones. Actually, one of the interesting things about drones, this is for DJI especially, uh, Sony came out with their own drone for professional photography and movie making. And that was, that was a new entry into that market segment. Yeah, that was the air peak. Yeah. You know, DJI basically was is the dominant player there, but now Sony is actually coming in to give them some competition. And it uses the standard Sony equipment, so you can use your Alpha cameras already with it. it, it it's a pretty cool system. It's optimized for the Alpha cameras, so that it would definitely, that would be what they'd prefer, I right, assume. But yeah, you know, that I think was one of the few surprises in my mind i think the emphasis on ak tvs you know all the tv manufacturers had an ak to show the increasing use of ai for upscaling and that's an ongoing trend and there's also some tweaking on on tvs in general to oloids are still super expensive well we finally got a what was the price on that roll-up screen they they showed it off last year and they finally gave it a, they finally announced a price on it and something like yes eighty thousand it was eighty-five or eighty-seven thousand dollars, and it was only available in South Korea. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was a, a big hit in the show last year, and so now it's actually uh, available to purchase and and at a price point. But yeah, that's like crazy expensive. Yeah, they did try. I mean, this did that did parlay into rollable screens this year as well. Both TCL and LG showed off rollable screens for smartphones, and TCL also had one that was kind of like a two scrolls together that you pulled out into a 17-inch screen. Interesting concepts. Obviously, nobody gave prices for them or availability. But obviously, these companies aren't giving up on rollable screens for the future. Okay, so with what you did see, and Kevin, on your side, what you didn't see, based on that, 
What are some of the key takeaways that you guys have coming out of CES? And, and does it change what you maybe were thinking in terms of predictions or trends going into CES? Well, CES, I would say certain trends were accelerated, and that's, I think, the emphasis on gaming and the electrification platforms I, I see was being accelerated. The commitments are, are getting stronger to electrification. You know, we've already had the commitments by uh, Volkswagen and startup commitments from Ford, uh, and now we have significant commitment by uh, GM. So electrification trend is ongoing and, and accelerating. And that, I think, was an important takeaway for me. But the infrastructure is fully there yet. I think we still got some work to do. And then, as you pointed out, whether we can really make it eco-friendly by having the proper sources of power that drives these electric cars by sustainable means is, is still a challenge, I think, for the ecosystem. And then uh, health. I think there was a fair amount of health products, but I don't think there's anything, nothing stood out to me. I thought that was just ongoing. And I, I, I think the COVID-related masks and all that are going to be kind of a flash in a pan. I don't actually see that as a, a long-standing category. It was this year's version of the iPhone case. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like. Uh, oh, so that's the other thing you're missing. You're, you're missing going down those hallways in the Hilton or where, the old Hilton. Wall after wall of iPhone cases and accessories and pop uh, stands and all that stuff. That's the part I did miss, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, anything on your side? Yeah, definitely. In terms of trends, there is one that is definitely going to impact the industry going forward, and that's sustainability. I mean, a lot of companies were talking about sustainability, whether it was, you know, improving batteries and recyclability was a, was a big thing, and re using recycled materials was a big thing in a lot of products this year. But also, there were some technologies. SoftCell has a tiny solar cell that can actually be put on flexible surfaces. So that was a key innovation here. There was another one by... BEFC, I don't really know how to pronounce that company, but they have a bioenzyme fuel cell. And it's basically between paper and bioenzymes. This fuel cell is very cheap, very easy to make, and very easy to recycle. And it replaces the coin cell batteries, which are in everything we use today that aren't recyclable. So that was a key innovation. So I think sustainability was one. PCs are interesting again, especially with the influx of gaming. We saw a lot of announcements before CES, you know, throughout Q4 with the gaming consoles and, and all the PC technologies, the new graphics cards from AMD and NVIDIA, new processors, even Intel announced their new NUC for their small form factor PCs using 11th gen processors at the show. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in PCs, especially small form factor and mobile PCs, and also for desktops on the high end for gaming. And, you know, in terms of other things, uh, I would say that overall this CES was a good event. I think everyone's still learning how to transition to this virtual environment. I definitely didn't miss the hangovers, the sore feet, the colds I come back with, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I missed more than anything. I missed Eureka Park. I miss seeing all these startups focused on some of the wildest things like an intelligent walking cane. You know, some things that <laughs> it's just you wonder why. But I mean, really seeing the innovation and seeing the breadth of all the stuff that's going on throughout the industry, meeting people, free dinners. <laughs> you know, there, there's still stuff I missed. But, you know, I, I think if nothing else, CES and the technology we saw at CES kind of shows that, you know, we can work and you know, learn and even communicate effectively virtually going forward. 
You know, two things. One, on the sustainability thing, Jim just reminded me of something. I think it was Samsung had remote controls with solar cells on them. So you didn't need to coin out the triple A's and, and quadruple A's, whatever batteries for the remote control. So it actually would charge the remote control. And so you, you didn't have to keep swapping batteries. Although once you lose it in the couch and only light on it, so it won't recharge. So but if you lose the remote control in the couch, you're, you're kind of screwed. But the Eureka Zone or Eureka Park and those all those little things you wander around a hallway and you discover something that you never expected to find. Yeah, that's that's that is hard to recreate on a virtual platform, and nobody's quite figured that one out yet. That is was sorely missing. Although, speaking of sore, my feet were not sore. Didn't have to worry about my feet killing me. So, it, from that point of view, uh, you know, it was, that was okay. Other parts of your anatomy might have been yeah, sore yeah, from yeah, sitting that, down that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. You, you know, on, on the on the technology side, I think one of you guys mentioned during our prep time too, it seems like there was a lot of six Wi-Fi 6E adoption on the infrastructure. So maybe that's a harbinger of, you know, devices that are going to have 6E and then all the benefits of having having that a critical mass of those devices out in the field. Yeah, I think 6E is going to be huge, especially for mesh routers in general would be great because now you have an a band that's relatively unutilized and you can use that as your backhaul between the various mesh routers as well as it's a wide open band for new devices yeah one of the things i was impressed with is people looking at using especially on the new wi-fi 6 routers using them in different ways whether you're using that router also to detect motion through the Wi-Fi signal throughout the home or throughout the room. And TP-Link also had one where they're integrating the mesh router with a smart speaker. So instead of having an ugly router sitting around your house, you just have smart speakers sitting around your house. I thought that was a really cool idea. So we usually like to end these with like a quick hit thing. So I'll limit you guys to like one word, okay? Do you think in 2022, we will see the return of in-person conferences and trade shows? Yes or no? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we will. Well, actually, uh, there's a word I would use, though, that I think is hybrid. Hybrid is a word you're going to see a lot of. Hybrid conferences. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I look forward to going to more virtual conferences and not having to fly around the world. Usually by February, I've been around the world at least once. They are twice. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, with that, it brings us to a wrap of another Tirius cast. Please remember that Tirius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and marketing strategies. If you'd like more information about Tyria's research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly. I'm Kevin at Tyrius, T-I-R-I-A-S, research.com. You have Jim at TyriusResearch.com and our host here, Francis, at TyriusResearch.com. You can also visit our website at www.tyriusresearch.com. Not a surprise. Please keep up with us on social media. Our uh, corporate account is at TyriusResearch. I am at Crewell, K-R-E-W-E-L-L. Jim is at Tech Strategist. That's T-E-K Strategist. And then Francis is F. Sedeco at F-S-I-D-E-C-O. 
Also look for our articles and podcasts in Forbes, EE Times, ECT News, and Microelectronics in Taiwan if you read Mandarin Chinese. In addition, we also have white papers posted on our website and a link to our newsletter, which you can also subscribe to if you'd like it sent directly to you via email, which is usually about once a month. The newsletter covers all the topics we cover in our articles, research, and white papers. You can find this and other Tirius casts on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Just search for Tirius Research. Thank you for joining us. If you have any feedback on this Tirius cast or recommendations for future Tirius casts, please contact us directly at again Kevin at TiriusResearch.com, Jim at TiriusResearch.com, or me Francis at TiriusResearch.com. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you.